0: Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. On this week's episode, the guys cover a couple of myths around real estate, like can you only use a VA loan one time and do you have to be a first-time homebuyer to use an FHA loan, all while enjoying Buzzard's Roost Cigar Rye Whiskey. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks, powered by Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective on YouTube, and Fathom Realty. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and as always, I'm here with...
1: James Amaros
2: Oscar Barra.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, on today's episode, we are, we're trying something new. Fuck it, we're doing it live. Fuck it, we're doing it live. <laughs> Fuck it, we're Easy doing it We can't censor when we're live. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. We're live on TikTok. And your here voice is still gone. It is. It's, it is. Yeah. You but still sound scary. It, we're making it. You we're sound getting scary. there. We're getting there. You sound scary. Um, so yeah, guys. We're going to start trying to go live on our TikTok channel, uh, The Mile High Perspective, every Wednesday whenever we're filming the podcast. So if you guys want to come in, join, drop some questions, uh, what we're planning on doing is just doing the episode normally for you guys and, and doing the recording, but just having the live playing so people can stop in and share a drink, ask some questions, just hear some stuff in the yeah, background. Yeah, what,
1: what are we doing? What is this podcast about?
0: So this podcast is about informing you guys, the consumer, on everything real estate. And if you're a real estate agent or in the industry and you just want to hear about real estate topics we're here for that too but to make it a little bit more interesting not only for you guys but for us too uh we always 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 drink bourbon uh or whiskey while we're on the podcast and yep this is episode number 55 so we are now at 50 this is a 55th bourbon it is try it. yep and right. we don't
2: drink it just because we're a bunch of luscious but <laughs> it's uh it's a play on on our on our uh yep. our name yep. real estate served on the rocks so we feature a bourbon. We talk about it. We rate it, but in the process of, we talk real estate.
0: That's right. Well, especially because a lot of the, what's going on in real estate right now is so many buzzwords, so many you know scary articles and headlines, and people just feel like they're cornered out of the market, like they, that it's not possible. But we're just we just want to help you guys out. We want to be here as always and, and give you some info, but doing so, drinking phenomenal bourbon.
2: Right. I have never heard of this. Beer. No,
0: never heard of it. JMO, you, you picked this think, one up. But out. it's
2: also newer. It's 2019, right?
1: Yeah, it's newer. I mean, I, I picked it up because we were talking about cigars and pairing with whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And this is a bourbon that is aged in barrels that are smoked by Kentucky cigar tobacco. So yeah. I just kind of figured we'd kill two birds, one stone, which, pun not intended, the buzzer's, <laughs> buzzers roost. roost. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm curious. I've never had it before. No, mm-hmm.
0: no. I mean, just the color of this bottle, I mean, you could tell that
1: it's tobacco.
2: And it's not a bourbon. Yeah. It's a rye. Ninety-five
1: yeah. percent rye, five percent malted barley. Nice. It's gonna so be spicy. It is it'll be spicy. be spicy. Fifty-two but percent. I feel, like rye, 100, yeah, I feel like the rye. One hundred
2: five proof. Yeah.
1: One hundred. I feel like the
0: rye goes really well with, with the with the cigar. Mm, absolutely. It'll it'll keep that dryness yeah. a little We're bit. We're gonna better see.
1: Too. We're gonna see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it won a bunch of medals, right, Oscar?
2: You know what? Screw that. I was talking about this. Was, I was trying to read up on it while we were setting up, and it seems like every decent bourbon gets a gold, platinum, know, silver yeah. from the San Francisco bourbon whiskey drinker <laughs> bullshit.
1: Which San Francisco is probably the last place that I would assume. Yeah. I mean, give, me, give me a medal from Kentucky. With, yeah, right. You know, exactly. This,
2: this one... Yeah, give me aluminum I'm in like, Kentucky. Yeah. I think that will beat every like gold this, planet sure. in San Francisco. Yeah, some
1: some backwoods backwoods yeah. festival yeah. in the blue the blue mountains.
0: But I mean, that one was good. Yeah. The one with the uh, steel cast that yeah. we got that one was yeah. really good. Um, and for everybody watching on TikTok, if you're logging in, thank you so much. Uh, what we like, I said, Mm-mm. what we want to do is we're going to kind of go through the episode like normal, but at the end we're going to shut down the production, stop the recording on that, and then sit with you guys for probably about thirty minutes and see if any questions pop up. Um, and by no means, guys, do not send us gifts on, on here on live. Um, we're we're strictly here answer questions and help you guys out. We don't want any of your money pertaining to that. We are strictly here just to help out, drink some bourbon with you, and, and answer some
2: we'll questions. We'll take a compliment or two. I yeah, mean, I mean or, and ask the questions now. I mean, we're we'll be monitoring. Yeah, that, right?
0: or if you're user two zero seven nine eight seven three, and you want to hate on us a little bit. Yeah, true. Bring it on. True. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm hateable. But Jmo, uh why don't you go ahead and give us the the lowdown on our, our bourbon? And
2: also if you can if you can hear Charlie. I mean, yeah. give us some feedback. <laughs> if you can't hear him, his voice is gone. He's again he relapsed.
0: Okay. Right. Uh, but the bourbon that uh rye that we're drinking today is Buzzard's Roost sipping whiskey and while Jameson is getting some information pulled up on that, I'm gonna go ahead and pour it out for us.
2: You know, it has a very dark color. I'm uh I'm very intrigued by this. I'm not a big rye drinker. Oh, when I do have a rye, I usually make an old fashioned out of it. So we'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah, I feel like all these stories about how like the bourbon started is the same thing. It's like two yeah. dudes went to a barrel tasting and they were like, "I think we could do this." Well, and this one, a <laughs> and they just dude do it in a lady. Yeah, uh, 2019. So um, oh, they uh, they wanted to do something different, which is this is where this whole cigar smoked idea came from um but
2: yeah. you know i want to hear a story where they don't want to do something different i mean See, like you know what we're gonna do the same shit that jim beam did well, remember and i'm we gonna talked give him about, a run for uh, his money the char
1: yeah the number of the char right yeah. one through four yeah. so char one being the least charred barrel four being the most charred barrel these guys chose number one char. the number one char on purpose um because they think it brings out more flavor of the wood versus the char and the other one was four correct yeah huh yeah um, and that one did have
0: a little bit of sweetness to it. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. Well, and then yeah. uh, if, uh, can you remember any of the ones that did new char barrel or a new oak barrel?
0: Well, we had that one that was the combination of the four woods, mm-hmm. but that they didn't really mention the char. No, on that. no, they did not. Um, yeah, it's and I mean just down
1: white oak barrels, lightly charred, and then I mean the biggest thing they do is they mix in uh, Kentucky cigar tobacco smoke, and they lightly smoke the barrel. Uh, for an extended period of time before they distill it so yeah and i mean but it's brand new like it's, Asuka, it's 2019 yeah which is interesting yeah
0: very interesting but yeah. i mean the nose on it that tobacco comes through
1: yeah i like haven't even tried it yet
0: like crazy um also the the proof on this one is uh, 100 100 105 105,
2: 105,
1: 105, yeah. 105 105
2: yeah it's 52 so, and a half okay so it's okay. hefty i think last week was literally mill burn on the nose yeah it's smooth on the nose. Yeah, mm-hmm. super smooth on the nose.
1: It's a little more. I get a little burning.
0: It, it's not as uh, not as potent as I thought it would be with the with the tobacco. It's there,
2: but it's not as potent. I'm getting sweet, peachy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nose. Almost that. It, there's almost the, the tobacco is almost like a more of a leather on the back. Yeah, I was gonna say mm-hmm. leathery. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Like baseball glove leather.
0: Definitely there though. Mm-mm. for sure Oh yeah it's crazy how, it's always crazy to me how when you sniff it through like one nostril over the other the flavors very are sweet
2: different. yeah and and not like floral sweet it's sugary sweet mm-hmm.
0: makes sense with the tobacco though.
2: yeah you know, like I, raisin it, plummy mm-hmm. sweet dehydration you guys, you guys uh, to dehydrated to, sugars ready
0: to take take the first sip on it
2: cheers boys cheers
1: I got the I got the cigar.
2: Me too. Yeah. Right away. away. Right away I got the cigar. Yeah. It's kind of an ashtray. It's tray. right on top of the tongue. Yeah. Uh,
0: almost, yeah. Almost a little bit of ashtray, but it's also like a
2: what's the, the, the leather strap that
0: you use when you're cleaning a knife?
2: A throp. Yeah. If you're thropping, I don't know what you Yeah, that, that is. that's kind of what I guess. Like, such like, specific knowledge. Oh yeah, throps it,
0: fucking throp. What do you what mean? It hits the in throp. <laughs> head, you know, it's just,
1: definitely the the that's, sweetness.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Sweetness mm. is definitely there, mm-hmm. definitely there.
2: It's, it's crazy. It's sweet, but yeah. If you ever go to a cigar shop or a, a smoking shop that they allow smoking in it, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it tastes like. Oh um, yeah, not, almost yeah. like the
0: like the smoke that sticks to the walls. Yeah, right when you walk in, uh-huh. like that. Yeah,
2: and yeah. and not necessarily in a bad way, <clears throat> but it's definitely there. It's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. If it, it the
0: sweetness plays really well into the, into that flavor to the to the tobacco flavor.
2: <laughs> That's crazy. Hmm. And it's a very distinct cigar. It's not like pipe yeah. tobacco. It's not well, cigarette tobacco. And very what's much crazy
0: is you definitely get the the dryness of the rye.
2: And it's bitter at the end. Yeah.
0: That that rye, right? And you feel it on the center of your tongue, but ultimately it's like a like a sweet. Oh man, what what? Yeah, like a plump, like a sweet plump
2: mm-hmm. on the back.
0: And instead of that caramel or vanilla.
2: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like a dehydrated a little
0: chocolatey, little coffee.
2: Fruit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, I mean, chocolate fudge. I get orange on the front a little bit, like zesty orange. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, that that cigar that like
2: it's very, it's, <laughs> it's very it, yeah prominent. I, I mean,
1: can, it,
0: smoking this with a Maduro would be game changing, or drinking yeah. this with a Maduro that heavier that heavier wrap on a cigar. Mm-hmm. That would be mm. no, that's, that's good. My <laughs> yeah, it's. I like. Maduro's it is interesting. That would be great. That would be great, but uh, oh, we, got a, we got a motorcycle outside, uh, but on today's episode, guys, not only, like I said, we don't only drink the bourbon, talk about the bourbon, but uh, we talk about real estate, and since we are going live today, um, and we haven't really touched basis on these in months, really, yep. uh, the topic that we want to kind of cover today are myths in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to cover a wide range of them, kind of touch as many as many points as we can, but just as an example, you know, some that you got, you want to list your home high. You don't need a real estate agent, or real estate agents aren't worth it, or marketing around your house isn't isn't necessary. All those little things that you see um, and those little doubts that you have while you're uh, while you're starting your home journey. We want to kind of go over them and again, take it with a grain of salt. You know, we are realtors, so we are we are. No, on don't the take it with a grain of, of
1: salt. Estate. It's we're here to give information. <laughs> listen, all right? Just listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then ask questions. And if you don't you like want. it, comment. Let yeah, us know. exactly. Let us know. Exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, so Jamie, you want to start it out with? Uh,
1: yeah. The first one. Uh, first one is, and either of you guys can answer this one. The myth is you need twenty percent down to buy your home. No. It all course, all right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. No. no. That's um, it.
2: Next. And <clears throat> I, I
0: think, I, and Oscar, you can you can back me up on this. Um, especially because you've been in the, in the market for over you know 18 years now. Twenty. Twenty. Um, it, it's. Which is also over 18 years. Was, I think that's that's it's also 18 years. A layover of, you know, when even you know my parents, your parents. It's a were, Dave you know, Ramsey thing. Is what to, it is. It is. But when you're when they were originally looking to buy a home, not only were home prices lower, so 20 percent, I don't want to say wasn't easier to obtain, but definitely easier than it is today with houses averaging over 400 thousand dollars across the country, but that was a little bit more of a, um, the 20% down was a little bit more of a play to lenders. That would be right? a
2: great step to look up. You know, <clears throat> what? what the income, average income was in 1940. Well, I mean, and, you can look and, up. And 20% of what? Yeah, know, The yeah, average yeah, yeah. household, that'd be cool to, to well, look Well,
1: you up. look it up as a ratio, right? You look at what the wage was versus the home price versus what the down payment was. And realistically, if you look at affordability across you know the last 80 years, there's been two times it's been absolutely horrible like it is now. The first time was in the 1980s, and then now, right. right?
2: I mean, can you imagine 20%? You're you're looking at 12% interest rate, right? You know, you yeah. you were buying a house for seventy thousand, but mm-hmm. interest rates were really crappy, but it all offset it. You know, that well, was the norm back. And I mean,
0: and, that, and that's the reason I brought up your time your time in the market in the industry is because I think what's happened. I didn't is, sell
2: houses in the 80s, Charlie. Shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think what's what's happened is they had houses, in the, 80s. the the home prices go up, right? we have had government intervention. We have had new products come to market with mortgages to where now you have down payment assistance where yeah. you only have to put 3% down. I mean, Colin was on last week, go check out the YouTube channel. Um, we talked all about different loan types yeah. that you can have, but some people can get into a house for as low as a thousand dollars
1: right now.
2: Correct. Right? Yeah. There's, um, um, down payment assistance programs. They're either county state, uh, some mm-hmm. are grants, some are, you know, forgivable loans, mm-hmm. and some you do have to pay back.
1: Well, hell, and I mean, take it one step further, right? You got VA loans. Mm-hmm. So VA loans, not only can you do 0% down or 100% financing, but unlike something like an FHA or conventional loan, if I put 3.5% down on an FHA loan or 5% down on conventional, what is my what else do I have to pay?
2: Mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance.
1: Mm-hmm. And on an FHA loan, how long does mortgage insurance stay? On Forever. The, and on a conventional loan, how long does it
2: stay? As long as you're above 80%.
1: 80%, right? On a VA loan, do you have mortgage insurance? Nope. 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 Like It's huge, right? Um, but to your point, Charlie, I think the, the biggest thing is when you look at affordability, we had a really long time where wage growth and inflation and home prices all were pretty much on the same path. Yeah. And then we had 2020 happen and we gave all this free money away and all of a sudden you saw home prices just take off, but you saw wage growth stagnate and actually decline for years. Everybody was out of work due to COVID and now we're starting to pick that back up. But You've already set the.
2: It's you've it's, already set the snowball down the hill on home Yeah, races. COVID, COVID. They try to offset what they thought. Were they, were they, were, were going to forecast that you mm-hmm. know the economy was not going to be stimulated, and mm-hmm. it, it was quite the opposite with what they did. Um, they dropped the rates to. I saw some two and a halfs. You know oh, that yeah. that's ridiculous when mm-hmm. when you talk about um, APR <clears throat> and how much you're paying into the actual principal the first ten years. It's so offset. Mm-hmm. And I was one. I was one that that took advantage of the. You know, I got a two point eight seven five. When I look at my my amortization, it's uh, it's bizarre that it's almost even. Mm-hmm. I'm paying into my principal almost as much as I'm paying into interest. Mm-hmm. And, and in the long run, that's 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 huge. That's a yeah. big number. You know. Yeah,
0: but I mean, and and, and that's where. I, I think that, you know, like Jameson said earlier, we have the Dave Ramseys, right, that mm-hmm. are still in those that older mindset. And a lot of millennials, I mean, I, I know myself.
2: Brian Buffini. Well, I, I
0: know myself included. Like, I look to my parents, my grandparents, for that information. And a lot of the time, they're just, especially I've seen so much where parents are going, I'm so scared for my kids, right? And so, yeah, they're going to they're gonna recommend 20% down mm-hmm. because that's what their experience is. But that's why it is so important to talk with People like Colin, like like us, any real estate agents, because we can explain to you that hey, you have amateurization, you have you know loans that build that go down over time, up over time, whatever it is, and we can explain it to you. We can break it down, right? I mean, so you
2: can understand it a little bit better. Remove the fear mongering. I mean, don't mm-hmm. be afraid for your children, because there's always going to be a way to do it, and and you have to just seek out the experts, and you know the realtors are going to be the forefront of that. Um, they're going to know the correct lenders because lenders have different um, products, right? Mm. Most of the guidelines stay the same, but they're going to have different products. Um, some of the big, uh, banks or credit unions have portfolio products, um, like Ant has that 3% first time home buyers. And there's just a lot of, uh, ways around it. And you know, just as long as you, I hate to use the word creative, but as long as you know, or educate yourself of what's out there, it's just a product that you could take advantage of and not go with your conventional 5%, three and a half percent or 20%. I mean, if you have the 20%, that's always going to be your gold standard, right? Yeah. That's always going to be the one that's going to give you the best best, um, payment and eliminate mortgage insurance.
1: But it also depends on, it's a math equation because if you are living in the house for five years versus 15 years, a 20% versus 5% is going to make a big difference, right? Because if I have to put down, let's call it a $500,000 home, I'm either putting down $100,000 or I'm putting down $25,000 right? Mm-hmm. It's a $75,000 difference. If my mortgage payment goes up $600 a month and I can afford that, how many months do I have to be in the house before I break even on that $75,000 that I saved yep. by not bringing that to the down payment? And that and, all depends on and again your, <clears throat> your, your, your very specific situation, your scenario, how much money you do have saved up, if you want to invest in other things, if you're planning on staying in the house for a long time, short time, all that kind of stuff. So, so
2: they, they brought up a product back in the day. It was, uh, it was called the option arm. And that's basically what that was kind of going up against yeah because um you had the option of sending in your your 30-year conventional or your 30-year fixed, 15-year to pay it off faster your um interest only so your payment was super low and then your negative Mm am your negative am payment was just that you were not paying into your principal you were actually gonna get tacked on what you would have paid in so it's adding on to your principal but Um, what they were trying to do with that is if you wanted to invest, so it's for your savvy investor that wanted to allocate their money somewhere else. And a lot of people didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of where it went to the wayside. So to your um, comment, yes, uh, depending on what you want to do and how you break even, um, just know that you do the calculations with how much your home is going to, you know, um, go up in value year over end and, you know, equate that too. Mm -hmm. Because again, you're going to put in that 75K, it's gonna stay there and it's only gonna accumulate wealth, right? right? And you just pull it back out, there's gonna be fees. But if you just wanna save that up front and be okay with an extra hundred, two hundred thousand or two hundred dollars a month, that's fine too if you're gonna stay mm-hmm. short term. Yeah. And, and, and and that that comes to the generational thing, right? Mm-hmm. We we've been trying to combat the the myth that uh, you you don't want to get stuck with a mortgage Mm -hmm. well if you go lease you're stuck within that lease for at least a year to six months you buy a home you're not stuck ever you could sell at any time hell you could sell the next month Mm -hmm. if you if you don't like it sell it next month and you don't have to break leases or anything right yeah you break the lease you still have to pay money to break it you break you 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 sell your house you get your money back
0: absolutely absolutely all right, that's myth number one down. You do not need twenty percent down,
2: and on a house. To add on to that whole generational thing, when you're leasing something, there are few and far between um, landlords that let you sublease it. Absolutely. And if you own your own, guess what? Get up, leave, and rent that, that thing out mm-hmm. and make some money. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a better deal all around. Absolutely. I think. But I'm biased because I'm a realtor. All
1: right. <laughs> all right, JMO, drop number myth number two. So number two, everybody's heard about FHA loans yep. backed by. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Federal Housing Administration.
2: The myth is... Their government.
1: You have to be a first-time homebuyer to use an FHA
2: loan. And their government. Not necessarily. Uh, It's a bank that has a loan that's backed by the federal government within the mortgage insurance realm. So you have a premium you pay up front, and then you have a, a monthly that you pay, right, your mortgage insurance. And you don't have to be... As long as you don't already have an FHA loan you can get another FHA loan. So it's, it's it's specific to how many FHA loans. If you have one FHA loan, you can't get another one.
0: Yeah. All right, so Jay, I know we went over it last week, but we got everybody watching. and tell, what, Break down an FHA loan. As far as? As far as who's going who's gonna to use it, why? Anybody.
2: Right? Anybody can use it. So them. And some of the guidelines were FHA. Um, income, uh, if you have some income issues, they have their, their guidelines are a little more lenient um if your credit is low uh it, they're they're lenient you could get an fha loan with as low as i've seen in five 580 fico and it, they're still going to give you a premium rate so if conventional is at a six um fha will come in at sometimes a six six and a quarter six and a half even if you don't have a 700 fico but you're gonna have that mortgage insurance which what's crazy is that they drop the monthly mortgage insurance which competes with conventional so sometimes FHA is the best across the board even if you have good credit mm-hmm.
0: well and i think and i think a lot of you know and the ratios the well, ratios
2: allow for more
0: well and that and that's what i was going to touch on is what i think what ended up happening is right like oscar just said FHA does give you a little bit more leniency when it comes to your credit, when it comes to your income. So who most of the time are the people that need that leniency? First-time home First-time homebuyers. So yeah, FHA options, a lot of the time you're going to see first-time homebuyers utilizing that. But as we've seen with the pain everybody's feeling in this current economy, although it is doing good, you see all the time people are not buying as much. They don't feel like they can afford as much so FHA has become a good option not only for people who may have struggled through the pandemic because they had to take out more credit cards. And by the way, we hit the highest amount of credit card debt in the country in 2023 and continuing into it with over what thirty billion dollars,
1: right? So no, it's trillion. just what? A trillion dollars. Thirty trillion. No, no, eight trillion. Oh a trillion. One trillion dollars in credit card debt. See even worse, right? One trillion. But it, but that just goes to show that
0: as every, everything was happening over the last three years, like every I, I fear that everybody forgets. That you know, stuff takes time, right? Especially with what we're doing right now, live. You mm-hmm. have a- instant access to information. The world doesn't move that fast. So in the yeah, 2020 felt hard. We got stimulus tw- checks, and then 2021. Now it's 2024 into mm-hmm. 2023, and we're everyone's like, oh, um, uh, th- th- I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. I had to take out more loans. I had to open more credit cards. And, and I, I
2: shouldn't have went to Vegas with my credit card. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it was a bad idea. I feel like I, that's I what's that's what's
0: led Sir, to this
1: thought. You have no. Just put it on a tab. 500 on black. <laughs> Put it on my tab. <laughs> and, and Cash that's advance. Where
0: I, I think that that's kind of where it got misconstrued, and now, again, last week we talked about it with Colin. We're seeing a little bit more of a rise of those Colin? FHA options.
2: Oh, yeah, Damn, I man. miss Colin. Right? I haven't seen that guy in a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, he did great. So, and you know, first-time homebuyers aren't the only ones that are using FHA. It's anybody who needs a little bit of extra help when it, whether it comes to their credit, their credit <laughs> score, or the amount of income that they're making you know that's really what fha was created for and because as oscar said it's a government backed mm-hmm. option it's safer right yes. right
2: and and it's not you know let's say that the housing market has gone up and you really want this certain home that's a higher price point their ratios allow for you to go higher monthly payment and uh, the way that you see around that is that you're going to you're going to get a raise mm-hmm. or you're going to fix your credit and then you'll offset that but if you do want more purchasing power FHA sometimes is the better route you may have a higher monthly payment but you know it'll get you the home that you want mm-hmm. and then Absolutely. refinance later on down the road you the gotta other have thing a plan. too
1: is so is there a limit like if i use an FHA loan right on a house how long do i have to wait before i can sell that house and use another FHA loan
2: there's no limit uh, 90 days 90 days uh and Sorry, the only reason I know that is because... It's a flipper rule. It's yeah. a flipper yeah. rule. Mm-hmm. You, you got to have the, the house yep. for 90 days. Um, even if uh for on the investment side, if I buy a house and I fix it and I throw it back on the market, uh, it's, it's, it has to do with the transfer of title. Mm-hmm. I can't sell it to anybody that's going to acquire an FHA loan unless I've owned it for at least 90 days.
0: And that's just, again, a perfect point. Like that, I just want people to recognize that there are things in place like that that are, that try and mitigate the 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 investors the flips right um, as you know the topic becomes a lot heavier with blackrock and vanguard and all these hedge funds and investments and ruining the market it's there have always been things in place like this right. and, and, and
2: and that rules kind of at least in my eyes that rules kind of uh, we need to revamp that because mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm buying a, a property and i could flip it in 30 days I'm going to sell it regardless. Why not let someone that, you know, wants it with an FHA loan yeah. in less days? Mm-hmm. You know, if I really want the open market uh, from an investment standpoint, obviously 90 days is going to get a bigger buyer pool. Yes, But I think it should be fair for someone that is going to buy the house, FHA, to come in and also bid on the house. So mm-hmm.
1: here, here's a fun one. I just thought about this as we we're talking about it. <clears throat> uh, how long do you have to go? Or actually, let me rephrase this. Can you be? Can you ever be considered a first-time homebuyer after the first time you buy a house?
0: Yeah.
2: How long? Well, okay. That's kind of... I know. It's, tricky. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. It's tricky. So <laughs> with... Um, it's tricky. Tr- 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 tricky. So there's ways around that. There is ways around know? it, but let's just
1: go black and white. <laughs> black and black white? Black and
2: white. ah uh, is I, it five years? Three years, I, right. okay. it, yeah, because three yeah. All right, technically so it's
1: three years. If you want to use a first-time homebuyer program, mm-hmm. you just can't have used it within the prior three years. And
2: to compile on top of that, that goes along with um, if you ever had a foreclosure or bankruptcy. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a foreclosure, or bankruptcy, two to three years.
1: You know, I think FHA looks back three. Conventional looks back seven. If I remember correctly, right? Five or seven.
2: Something like that. Yeah. That's that is a tough. It's kind of crazy because I haven't thought about that since. I know, right? The short sale. Well, and it's funny, so I was listening era. to
1: a uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the wave of foreclosures and we've hit we've hit on this on previous episodes where somebody goes, "Well, foreclosures are up 150%." Oh god. Well, and it's like, true, yeah. true, but we're still like 67% under where we were at and prior to the before, pandemic." before
0: you go that route
1: yeah, we'll get, we'll, get that that say, yeah we'll get to that. We'll get
0: to that. Let's go to myth number three. Which well, no,
1: no, myth number three is easy. Okay. When selling your home, should you always price it as high as possible?
2: Not no. necessarily. To get
1: the best price. Why not? No. Well, and,
0: and we talked about this so often, but there's so many factors there. that play into yes. your home listing. And, and so many people, and, and I think honestly, like Colorado is a, is a good show for this, where you have a hot market, people go, oh man, it's my time let's do it, let's jump in now, and they list high, but then they don't look at the comparative market around it, right? Because a lot of the times, people don't realize that your home price is not set by what you think it's worth, it's set by what the market thinks it's worth. Mm -hmm. Right, and then
2: you have to have a knowledgeable real estate agent, because if you look on Zillow currently, there's a certain price point that the general public is going to look at, Mm -hmm. but As a realtor, you know, at at any given moment we use ninety days, right? We go ninety days back. But if remember when we used to
1: go six months back? Well, yeah. (laughs) If 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 the
2: market shifts, you can't even go. You know, there was a last year fall, you couldn't go 90 days back. Right. Because the rates hiked and you can't use that same price point. So you gotta have someone that knows how to forecast a little bit of what the market's doing. Go, I I always um, advise my 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 clients to list at current market mm-hmm. or just under to get as many eyes in. And right. then maybe, you know, there's two buyers that really want it. They might bid it up and then we're back on on track on where they yeah. want it to be.
1: Well, and it's nuanced, I think, from a price point standpoint as well, right? Because we always talk about real estate being extremely hyper local. Mm-hmm. Well, if I take a $260,000 unit here in Denver versus a $260,000 unit in Mobile, Alabama, there's going to be differences in how you want to price that, right? My contention right now is, where interest rates are, if I'm at 240, 250, 260 in a condo, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what's coming up here on, in my uh, in my world. I'm actually okay listing that high because there's demand for it mm-hmm. because it's such an attractive price point. If I were to turn that into like, let's say a $650,000 three bed, two bath townhome, I'd probably go a little bit lower because you have to understand that, yeah, well, rates have come down a little bit. There's still average income. Who's going to be looking at the property, the type of buyer that's going to be there. And it's going to dictate if you want to go higher, or low, the, the we're the, just talking
2: about non warrantable contracts. Yes, yeah, the, the basis of
1: it is essentially the exposure you get, right? So if you have your price point and you go above or below where market value is, right? If you go the more the higher you go above market value, the less viewers basically less eyeballs on the property. The lower you go, the more eyeballs on the property. But you there's a fine line because if it's priced too low, then buyer psychology comes in, they go, wait a second. Is there something wrong with right. this property? Is it? Mm-hmm. Is this? Is there a reason why it's significantly lower than everything else that's comparable? If it's too high, buyers may go. I don't even want to look at it because there's no way they would consider a lower offer, even though this unit or this home is thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars over what a comparable property is.
2: So there's a lot of different nuanced well, things. And, and on understand that. one thing: as as the seller, you 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 dictate where mm-hmm. you want to be. I'll have that conversation with my seller and say, okay, right. you want to be at this price point. I'm, I'm giving you what my 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 professional opinion is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's see what the market dictates. Yes. I'll have that conversation. Let's let's throw it on what you think, and then let's have this conversation again in two weeks. Because if we have zero showings, that means we're priced way high. Well, if we have a ton of showings and we have no contracts, then we're priced okay, but we're still not there.
0: And I think I think ultimately, like James said, I'm glad that you broke it down like that as far as over, under, what eyes on, eyes on the property and everything like that. But again, it's, it's not just like you always hear, you know, I, can, I don't need a real estate agent. I'll sell my house by myself. Please, you have every right to do it. And if you do, hell yeah, good for you. Please, like get a realtor's license, yeah. start doing it. But at the same time, there's a strategy to it. It's Correct. not just throw it up on the market, hope to see what happens, maybe do some pictures on your cell phone, right? It's do I want to stage it? Do I take professional photos? Do mm-hmm. we just do outside photos because the inside's not really mm-hmm. ready yet, right? There's so many what? things that, <laughs> there's so many what, things well, that not, play Well, not only <laughs> that, the,
2: the marketing piece is one thing when it comes to real estate agents, yeah. but navigating the transaction, there's a lot of law that goes into it mm-hmm. and a lot of potentials of, of lawsuits.
1: Well, so that, that could be something else we touch on here in a second. If you go back to the pricing side of it, right? <clears throat> the other piece that people understand is I could have, let's say I have two identical units that I'm selling. They're both, I don't know, two-bed, two-bath condos in, in Denver, Aurora, that area, for, call it 350000 okay? But one of them is in Arapahoe School District. The other one's Cherry Creek School District. Otherwise, they're exactly the same. Same square footage, same finishes, same amenities, same everything. Those two units will be priced very differently. Also, well, no. Per- Why? Because of
2: Cherry Creek because School of Cherry District. Because Cherry Creek School but, District. And for everybody that's not in Colorado, Cherry, Correct. Creek, Cherry Creek is um, the district you want to be in yep. w- when in that area. Um, John, I always send his kids to Cherry Creek. Hell, you
1: know, you know what's going to change too? Like think about downtown. We talked about commercial real estate a couple of episodes ago. If jobs start coming back to downtown Denver, for example, you're going to start seeing price appreciation on areas that are near light rail stations. So if I've got identical units and one's at a light rail station that's easily accessible, the other one's not, that's going to also go into how I'm pricing that home. Same with um, you know the interest rates that we talked about. I think we actually went up this week because of the jobs report came back and we were up to, yep. back up over 7%. So now all of a sudden you're going to see, I guarantee next week, mortgage applications are going to go down 10%, mm-hmm. even though they went up 12%. So there's a lot that goes into it. So the, to answer the myth in my head, uh, when selling, you should always price higher. I think it depends. It's well, nuanced.
0: Here, perfect example. I just went and did showings last night with my clients who were looking at condos, right? Mm-hmm. And... We looked at two condos. When I tell you, 56 steps apart from each other.. Yep. like one was third floor, one was first floor, mm-hmm. in this pretty much same building down the road. And we walked in the first property we looked at, priced at, I think it was 340, 349. and we walked in, newly renovated, all new appliances, new yep. flooring, beautiful, beautiful windows and natural lighting in it, um, new furnace, all that kind of stuff. We go to the second property. Again, same exact complex. Mm-hmm. It was $10,000 more, mm-hmm. had been sitting on market for 80 days mm-hmm. with little to no updates in comparison. Yep. And my buyers looked at me and goes like, oh, so this is what you were talking about when yes. it's, when prices aren't yeah. really accurate, right? So <clears throat> again, it's just having that conversation with them and going, hey guys, look, you know, you can tell that they renov- that they did some work in this mm-hmm. and they probably can't drop below this price point because they're gonna lose money, right? Because." Condos
2: are, condos are all over the place. Yeah. Um, you go to uh, Highlands Ranch, and you get a condo that faces east, uh, same floor. And you get a condo that faces west. The west condo is going to be more expensive. Oh, yeah, by like $20,000. Absolutely, yep. for the views. Yep. You get yep. the view of the front range, mm-hmm. same exact thing. Absolutely. People will go for the non-renovated one on the west side of the condo well, complex and, and we've, over the other one.
1: We've talked about this multiple times, and it's hard because as a seller, I am emotionally invested. Unless I'm an investor, right? Then I, I'm just looking at bottom line PNL, what my what my cash out is, and all that. But if I'm a seller that I've lived in the house for 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, 15 years, it's such an emotional decision. And you're going, "Well, I put all this work in, and I did this, and it should be worth A, B, and C." When in reality, it's not. And that's why when somebody goes, "Well, hey, you know, what's your opinion on pricing high versus pricing low?" At the end of the day, a house is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it mm-hmm. on any given day. And And that could be different on a Tuesday versus a Thursday versus a December versus an April versus the type of buyer that's looking at it. So realistically, that is why we look at trying to get as close to market value as
2: we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we let the market dictate what that unit's going to sell. And if you really want to sting, get a non-biased opinion, get an appraisal on that thing. It's going to cost you 700 bucks, but it'll, it'll bring another conversation to it. I still disagree. I why? I
1: fucking hate appraisers, number I, one. I
2: know, but it's a non-biased opinion.
1: It Well, yes and no. Okay, here's why I don't like it. And I, I will use this example to the day I die. I had an appraisal done on my house, okay, f- to get a HELOC. And the appraiser comes by, and he's looking around the house and doing whatever appraisers do, right? And then he opens my microwave to inspect the inside of my microwave. And I ask him, like, "What are you, what are you looking at? He goes, your microwave. Okay. Why? It's part of my appraisal. I'm sorry, what? Then he went and he didn't take a single house that was, and I live in a Richmond community, okay? They have, in my neighborhood, they've got five models, okay? Mine's a Hemingway. Five models. There's 600 homes in my community. He, as as a comparison, when he did his appraisal, looked at my Hemingway, didn't look at a single other Hemingway that had sold in the last six months in the entire neighborhood.
2: Okay. But it gave you a baseline. Yeah. So a you baseline take it of apart. He sucks
1: at his job. No, you could, t- you could <laughs> take it apart and not say, which, hey. which I did. But I'm saying like, when I say like the unbiased thing, I, there's a lot of appraisals. Hell, we saw it two years ago when they started doing drive-by appraisals.
2: You know what I mean? Hell, when I took the HELOC on mine, he right. came in, looked at the big stuff. Didn't walk my house and was like, "Ah, oh, you're good." That's what I'm saying. It's the appraisal part's a little bit different. You actually appraised it for eighty yeah. k more than I thought. Yeah, it would go for. I think
1: it's. I think it's. They, I also think they act differently if they know they're doing it for a refi standpoint, yeah. or as just like an appraisal versus if it's part well, of. Well, if a purchase you get a contract. good appraisal, yes.
2: Appraiser, he's gonna go and take apples. Yep. He's gonna compare apples to apples. Sounds How you like, you like
1: them apples. apples? Sounds like we need to get an appraiser on this. They're would. hard to get in a good one though.
2: You, you you know I have a list. Oh, I know. Remember that know. one oh, guy? I remember your. Appraiser. Remember that guy? Yeah, that was oh, FHA too. I wanted to yeah. strangle that guy. Yeah,
1: I would have strangled him for you. That was <laughs> on Hugo.
2: You know what? I, I would have paid you. For you guys <laughs> know where Hugo is? Just <laughs> kind of kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. We're live. can
1: All right, next myth: You can only use VA loans once, and with a VA loan, you can only own one property.
2: False. You Why can use those? VA loans. VA gives you a purse. They give you okay. an allotted amount of money to use to what you seem fit. So let's say that it's a $600,000 purse. You can buy a house, $600,000, tap it out, mm-hmm. you get your VA loan. You sell it. You replenish that money. You could do it again. Mm-hmm. You buy a VA loan for $300,000. You've used $300,000 of that allotted purse. You go out and you want to buy another investment property for two hundred fifty. dollars You have that option. So it's a a lot of amount of money that the VA says, here, go use it. It's part of your benefits for serving this country. Perfect.
1: Second myth then, and assumable mortgages are all the rage Mm -hmm. right now because we're seeing rates in the sixes and sevens, but there's a whole bunch of people that have rates in the twos and the threes and the fours. The myth is if I am not a vet, I cannot assume a VA loan on a house.
2: False. Why? You can assume a VA loan. It, but what happens? It you The purse doesn't get replenished.
1: Right. So if you're the veteran in that scenario... It's up to you. It's up to you. But if you allow your VA loan to be assumed so that you could market and sell your house to a wider group of people, you now have lost your VA benefit to purchase on the next house.
2: And why would you? Well, because if you put down a good chunk of change and it's appreciated yeah. so much, maybe you're like, well, screw that. I'm yep. going to walk away with another $300,000. And or maybe you're it.
1: moving into like, you know, a retirement home or something where you're, you're older, kids, and you're not going to you're not going to use it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. What if you want to sell your house to your kids? Your kids do not have VA benefits because they weren't in the military, but you want to give them the benefit of your VA loan. You can sit there and say, hey, you know what? You know, I, I've, I've enjoyed this house. I want to sell it to my granddaughter, my grandson. But I want them to assume my 3.275% interest rate on this six hundred thousand dollar house, I'm gonna allow them to assume it, knowing I'm gonna lose my benefits. Yep.
0: Yep. Especially as because as we see so many people coming to I don't I don't want to say end of life, but later in life where, you know, the money doesn't the money doesn't <laughs> the doesn't sunset make, of life. The sunset of life. <laughs> Damn Gen Xers. <laughs> but they you a lot of people wanna leave their kids better off. Yes, exactly. Right? And it's yep. and it is a great option, especially. As we see, still 7% Mm -hmm. interest rates. So to to the myth that you can only use a VA loan once, I mean, think about it as well, guys. Like, it doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense to me that the main group of people that move around based on their job, Mm -hmm. which is the military, every two to four years, Mm -hmm. you're gonna limit them on just buying in that one area, when Mm -hmm. a lot of people in the military, on average, are gonna live in three to five places in their entire service time, right? So it makes sense. And here's something that you know, like, uh, not a lot of people realize or know, but one thing that Donald Trump did do while mm-hmm. he was in office is he raised that that VA he did yeah. yep.
1: Like that, that was phenomenal. Over. What it was point. over one yeah. point. Actually, no, it's unlimited. It's unlimited. It's unlimited. And and, to and on top of that, so, yeah, you know, unlimited.
2: that's a great point. If yep. you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're, my mind just starts going. If you're, if you're VA, you, you live here, buy, use your VA, mm-hmm. refinance it to conventional and then use your VA somewhere else where you're going to move. Yep. And now you got investment properties. Mm-hmm. And, and if you bought at a good time, you know, leave a little bit of equity inside the home and you don't have mortgage insurance. You yep. know, there's endless possibilities on top of that. Yep. And another myth right now, interest rates aren't 7%. Mm-hmm. They're closer to 575 for 6%. VA, uh, VA cross board.
1: I mean, we just jumped last w- this week, though on Monday.
2: Mm, Some of my lenders are only jumped about a quarter.
1: Yeah, the credit unions. Yeah, yeah. it's the credit. It's the credit unions. <laughs> the credit unions. I use the ones, credit unions it's a lot the credit they have unions. great yes. prices. Yeah, yeah price it, prices. it is. But that is a. It's a quick tip, right? We talk right. about shopping lenders. You do this all the time, but if you go to most lenders, we're sitting there six point eight seven percent with a point. Credit unions are
2: on a. Warpath to gain market share 6%, no points, uh, 5.75, one point.
1: Yep, so Mm -hmm. yeah, all right, next myth. Next myth, oh man, all right, so the other big piece. Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, and the point isn't a lot, I mean, it's not even a point, it's just a cost, right? $3,800. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not a real point, it's It's not not a percent of the the loan,
1: yeah. Um, so other big topic new construction, right? Uh, we last year, new construction sales made up almost 40% of all home sales across the United States. It averages, in any normal market, only 12%, right? The reason that they're at 40% was because, one, they're the only ones that were selling houses last mm-hmm. year. Number two, they were the only ones that were offering rates as low as 3.99%, 4.99%. Why were they
2: offering those those rates? Because
1: they're incentives. They, they, they bought could. it. They, they bought, bought the them. rates. Yeah. So they
2: have their lenders, and they a lot of a certain amount from their budget and bought the rate down for potential clients
1: yep so that being said the myth is you do not need a realtor when buying a new construction
2: home it's Mm -hmm. not a myth you absolutely don't but my biggest thing is that we are your recourse Mm -hmm. if i am representing you i am representing you to make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to the contracts you sign with a builder typically Are non-CRES, that's uh, the Colorado State law, the ones we use as realtors, contracts, they're using their contracts, and their contracts are going to watch their back, right? And as an agent, if, excuse my language, shit goes south, I'm your recourse. One, I'm going to try to go in, and if shit really goes south and I do my job, guess what? Now you got an insurance policy. Mm. Sue me. Well, I'm insured. I would, I if I do my say, job right, I don't have to fear that. And I'm going to make sure that you get what you get. And you, as a realtor, I'm going to try to negotiate one better pricing, better incentives, or all of the above. Well,
0: and, and I think I think it would be better to switch the the name from agent to representative. You don't need a representative of, for yourself when buying in, in in new new build communities or from builders. And the reason I say it like that is because. You can walk into a new built community and there is a guy or a woman sitting in that chair that works for them and goes, yeah, I'll write that contract. Up. And,
2: and they have real, well, they're, they're agents. Yeah,
0: they're, they're agents. They, they have to go not through necessarily. them. Well, they, they can be, they're supported by not, the builders. They're not, hold they're, on, they don't wait, don't have, wait, have wait, wait, licenses.
2: Wait. hold
1: on, thank you. Yes. They are not agents. They do not have no. a real estate license. It no. is not required. You can, you can, you have some that you can walk into that, have, that were realtors in the past that understand the ins and outs and nuances of contracts. But there are a ton, I know seven or eight off the top of my head, that have never set foot in a real estate class. Not that that means you're a good realtor at all. But they have not got license, which means they are not held accountable by DORA or any other regulatory agency. They're held accountable. They're essentially a salesperson for Richmond or Lennar or Meritage or well, whoever it go, is.
2: Going into the the real estate realm is just like going to court. Well, I was going to say, Oscar, you say You don't all need time. an attorney.
1: You say
0: it all the time, right? But at the, at, the, at, at are you going to walk in to like uh, a warehouse that says that just has a sign that says doctors on it, mm-hmm. right? It's a doctor? Are you going to walk in and, and be like, "Hey, I need you to do surgery on me," and then then be like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, I, I've done that before. I can do that." Are you going to feel comfortable with that? Because it's virtually the same thing, right? When when you go to a doctor's office, you know that they have certifications. They've gone through courses. They've learned to do it properly. When you walk into a builder unrepresented whether it be you know whether it be with an agent without an agent what you have to understand is you are walking in as somebody and this is i would say 90% 95% of people you are now somebody that does not know as much as the person selling you the thing right mm-hmm. and i'll tell you as a salesperson i want those people because at the end of the day i'm going to be able to sell you anything right like it's it's the it's the old sell me a pencil thing Oh, you need this pencil? Cool, thanks for letting me know you need this pencil because now I can do whatever I want to sell you this pencil. Mm -hmm. And that's virtually what you're doing when you walk into these builders without any representation or prior knowledge or research. You're going in and they are trained specifically to sell you that unit, to sell you that building. If
2: I walk into a new construction, unrepresented, my bottom line's my bottom line, right? Mm -hmm. If I walk into a new construction with my realtor, does my bottom line change? Who pays the realtor? The builder. The builder. It's already built in. It's already built in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. Right. They're going to pay us regardless. Might as well go in with some representation. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, you and know? I think
1: the biggest, the biggest part of this, right, is when you're when you're talking about building anything new construction. Number one, as Oscar pointed out, the contracts that the builders do or that they give to you to sign as a as a client uh, are built to protect the
2: builder, right? In their best interests.
1: Everything. There is nothing in there. That protects I mean, hell, your deposit has no protection, earnest money has no protection, build time has no protection, loan qualification has no protection, none of it has protection for you as a client. So that's number one. Number two, when you're in a new community, you are now dealing with the warranty people, you're dealing with contractors, you're dealing with subcontractors, you're dealing with foremen. you're dealing with superintendents. And here's something that a lot of people don't understand the turnover of superintendents in new construction is one of the highest turnovers in almost any industry across the nation. So you could have three, like my first new build I built, we had four superintendents that I had to go through to fix shit in my house. And when, when I say fix shit guys, I'll I'll tell the story till the day I die. My buddy JC, right? Bought his house. He was a realtor at the time. And this house was in a new construction community, right in Crystal Valley. They went all the way through. They got all their permits done. They got all their inspections done. They got everything done. They move in. Two days later, his wife calls me because JC was out of town. Jameson, I need you to come over to my house. My basement's flooding. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Let me just go over there. Basement's flooding. All right, I'll be over there in just a second. I go, did you call Todd, who was the salesperson at the time for Richmond? And Todd's a good guy, right? So he was not trying to do anything shady. We go over to the basement and I'm looking at this floor and I'm like, Lindsay, go upstairs and turn the shower on. So she turns the shower on. Not four seconds later, Gallons upon gallons of water are pouring into the basement unfinished from a pipe that had a section. It was the main sewer pipe <laughs> was missing a 15 foot section, not a two foot section. It wasn't misaligned. A 15 foot section. I looked at Todd. I go, Hey Todd, how did you guys get per- how did you guys get uh, certified to put the plumbing in? If this is here, he looks at me. He goes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That shit happens, and that would have cost her. A ton of money in damages. Well and, and because at that point it had already gotten a certification of occupancy. I was
2: gonna say you can't move into a home until you get the CO. And Certificate got the of CO occupancy.
1: With a fifteen foot piece of the main sewer. Which is crazy which because is
2: same Crystal Valley, I couldn't get CO on one of my buddy's house because the front patio was poured four five percent grade yep. and it needed to be three. Yep. And they ripped it out. And they poured it in a winter storm and it cracked so they had to rip it out again and pour it again. And they poured it in another winter storm, but they covered it. Long story short, he had to stay in an extended stay hotel because we were a month out at this point. Two neighbors down from me, same neighborhood,
1: same construction, same company. Bought their new construction house without a realtor. Whenever I do new construction, I tell people that they need an inspection by a certified licensed inspector, third party. If they say, no, you know what? We don't want to pay for it. Pro tip. I'll pay for it. I don't care. Here's why. That neighbor moves in, didn't get an inspection, didn't have a realtor working with them. Four months after they moved in, the sewer line exploded. Gross. And they had to tear up their entire yard. They had to pay out of pocket because Richmond said, hey, it's underground. You guys didn't inspect it. It's not our problem. They had to pay thirty five thousand dollars to get it fixed and it tore up their front yard for four months and it was all because they didn't have somebody on their side going hey you know what before we sign everything we do the final walk let's get an inspection let's get a sewer scope let's make sure everything's good they didn't do it thirty five thousand dollars you
2: would think brand new house what's wrong with the sewer well here's one example settling the sewer line gets laid in yep what doesn't get put until the end concrete and landscaping. Dirt, landscaping, You rocks. bring in heavy equipment, it compresses the dirt, mm. it puts bellies in the... There's a lot of stuff that could go in. Two things. One, yes, absolutely, get an inspection. Brand new house, you're going to do a blue tape inspection anyway, but the inspector's going to go and dig in a little bit more. Second of all...
1: I can't do a blue tape inspection uh, on a sewer line.
2: An, an, uh, yeah, and another <laughs> pro tip... That's on the
1: Teenage Ninja Turtles. <laughs> another
2: pro tip, most of your warranty is about a year out, right? Yep. Except for structural, it could be 8 to 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. On the 11-month get a freaking inspection done on your house because it's still under warranty. Have that inspector go nitpick the hell out of your house, tell you what's going south, then you call up the soup and say, hey, come fix this because my warranty is about to do. Again, a realtor is a great source of information and we are your recourse when all of this is going down. Now again- And if you're currently buying a new construction, (coughs) you don't have a realtor, listen
1: to what we're saying and do all these things because you can also do them on your own.
2: Yeah. So uh, my buddy, they weren't going to do anything. Extended stay, more money out of pocket, yep. all this other crap. It was like pulling teeth. I went up to bat. I could not get them to reimburse them anything. I actually called JC because yeah. he was. It was It uh, he knows a lot of people down here in Cast Rock. And I said, hey, who do you know for, with this builder? And he goes, I really don't know anything. We both were on because uh, we both have a big network, right? JC, I, he knows everybody here. We went on and we looked and searched. I went on LinkedIn and got a hold of their Director of the whole area of the of Colorado, got in his ear, and finally their manager's manager called me and said, "Look, we'll give him a grand," which they weren't going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. The average consumer would have just said, "Okay." But
0: it just comes down to that's why you want representation. Yep. Right. All right, we're, we're, we're creeping we're creeping up on that on that hour mark there. How many how many more myths we got?
1: I mean, I think we've kind of covered one of the myths that we were going to talk about. Okay. Um, this one. It was about mortgage forbearance that essentially you don't have to pay that money back, okay. right? That's the myth. It's true. You do. They just extend. They tack it onto to end of the loan, but you do owe it, and you owe it within that balloon period. So Right. Whenever,
2: whenever, whenever it has to do anything to do with your mortgage, get a hold of your realtor so you yes. can get a hold of a lender. Yeah, we because- uh,
1: there was. I'll do a quick, a quick caveat story. When we were looking at houses the second time, uh, there was a house that we were gonna, we were gonna put an offer on, and uh, we actually were under contract. And th- after we came under contract, the sellers called and we're like, hey, so, uh, yeah, we, um, we have to cancel the contract because they put their mortgage in forbearance during COVID. They thought it was free money. So they were six <laughs> yeah. months behind on their mortgage and had to pay it and make a money <coughs> payment. They couldn't sell their house. So, <coughs> just, so you, just so you guys know, if you hear mortgage forbearance, I, I don't think we're going to hear a ton of it going forward. Any forbearance just means that they're delaying payment, but you do, <laughs> you do owe it, and you normally owe it with interest. There's some that do it without interest, but most of the time – It'll collect interest It's going interest to be interest and fees. Yes.
2: Um, no lender is going to say, "Here, we're going to we're going to remove one hundred thousand dollars off your payment. You know, yep. you're good." Yep. Now, anytime they're going to do any kind of forbearance, any kind of assistance, know what you're signing, because two examples. One, I had a client that we sold his house. We were good to go. He had done a, a modification, a loan mod, right? And he forgot. So what they did was they removed fifty k put it over here, they refinanced the, the amount and they dropped his payment. Well, that 50K s- stayed there and they had to pay it back with the fees. It wasn't it wasn't interest, mm. but it was fees. We had, He almost wasn't able to buy yep. because we had to tack on that 50K and then we were able to move forward. Another one, my buddy from Texas. Um, you know, stuff went south, um, not to get too, too much uh, into it, but they screwed up because he had a first and a second with the same bank The bank modified and clustered together, was supposed to be both, only did one. The secondary market came in, bought the other one, and now he's dealing with that. Mm. And it went south. Always know what you're signing and know what's going on. Get a real estate professional, whether it's a realtor, a competent one, because one that's not, it's not gonna know these things, and or a real estate attorney. Yep. Whenever you're dealing with the mortgage side of things and the lending side, contact your realtor, lender, or real estate attorney. Best bet when you're going up to bat with those guys, probably a real estate attorney because as the general public, it's just like a collection mm-hmm. and they'll come after you. Mm-hmm. They want their money and they're, they're not going to budge.
1: Last one. This is just a myth that everybody and their mother is hoping and praying it's going to happen because I want to be able to buy a $600,000 house for like two fifty. The housing market is going to crash.
0: Hmm. Absolutely not. The housing market is I mean, not going. To crash. ¿Por
2: qué, Maria? ¿Por qué? <laughs> it's subjective of what a crash is, right? Well, and, you could, you could, and, and again, we talked about this a lot. You can, you can sway your point at any time. Will it crash? Yes, but how much? Fifty k? That was a crash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. There's got. There has to be a, a formula put together for it to just tank like it did in 08.
0: Well, and, and that's the whole thing. Is we. we you know, you mentioned it before, and a lot of the time, what we're seeing is the the foreclosure rate goes up, and then all of a sudden, people like they're foaming at the mouth. They're sitting there like, "Oh boy, it's going to crash! It's going to happen! It's going to happen!" And it's it it's not based on that it at all. And you guys have to really, really have to look at it from a statistical numbers standpoint. It is always supply
2: and demand is what it comes down. There's to. There's more to it. For example, well, the, the, it's it. I have a client right now. We were looking at a house that was. Not destroyed, but they, uh, an LLC bought it, and it looked like they were going to fix and flip it. Yeah, they didn't. They ripped out the flooring, and it looks like it's prepped for a fix and flip. Mm-hmm. And we walked in, and he said, "Well, looks like a perfect opportunity to sell to offer them less." I said, "Look, it's been on the market for 350 days. It has not budged from the purchase price. Mm-hmm. It's an LLC." This is their bottom line. So it's up to you as a consumer whether you want to go in on this or not. I could try to get them less. More more than likely they're not, but let me make that phone call. At that point, he was like, you know what, you're right. That's well, and, we
0: and, and ultimately, the, the reason that I say the supply and demand thing is it it's honestly, I think, really simple when you look at it. It's with how low our inventory is. It is not like there are a lot of options out there, mm-hmm. right? And we talked about this multiple times that Right now, the people that are buying, and it's getting a little bit better, but they're the ones that have to. The divorces, the growing families, the moving because of the jobs, the military. And irregardless of whether or not you know, like they want to, they have to. And with such low inventory, what ends up happening is a house goes on the market, somebody is forced now to buy a house, that house is going to sell because the inventory is low and that's the only choice that they have. So it's not like we have six months of inventory that's sitting and, and, and sellers are going, oh God, oh God, I can't sell this, I can't sell this. Because we have places like California, Texas, Florida, where where people are mo- still moving out of and moving into like Colorado. Guys, I, I mean, we feel it here. So many Coloradans are going, it's so expensive. I mean, we're, we're seeing a population decrease here for the first time in 20 years in Colorado, but people from California are selling their houses for a million dollars, 900,000 dollars. And coming here and where Coloradans are going, oh man, uh 450,000, 550,000. I don't I don't know if I can do this. Californians are going, "Yeah, buddy, I just sold mine for 800." Uh, our neighbors to
2: the south, Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. it's ranked number 1 over or it's ranked higher than Denver for cities to live in. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. we're we're feeling it throughout the state. With that said, it's all hyper local because you might have a house uh, market in Kentucky. Yep. And it's not going to be the same as Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Or, or Oklahoma, so yeah, there's the discrepancies in that, but we're talking about your hyperlocal mountain a market here in Colorado. Our inventory still down.
1: Yep, yep. Two things, we've underbuilt since '09. Why?
2: It went from three years to six years
1: because fifty percent of the major builders went out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plain it's, and simple, right? So we've underbuilt for almost. Two decades. So decade, there was, there was right. an
2: influx of, of listings back then, right? There was a ton of listings. There was a ton of short sales. So the builders weren't building. And then when things fixed, we got a double whammy. People boomed out of Colorado. They went to the oil rigs, right? So our labor work left Colorado and didn't come back. They went to Oklahoma or they went to Texas to the point where for the first time in a long time, we saw commercials of trade work here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. There was a, there's still not enough trade work. If you want a contractor right now, one, you're, they're going to be expensive. And two, you're going to get shit contractors right now. Excuse my language, but there's a lot of crappy contractors out there. Mm-hmm. So now we got a, a lot of that labor work back, mm-hmm. but we're still so far behind. We can't catch up.
1: Yep. Well, but nobody can. It's not just Colorado. That's my point. My point yeah. is the underbuilding was nationwide for the last 12 years, mm-hmm. right? Second thing that came in, millennials started to become of their home Adults. formation age, right? Seventy three million of them want to now buy homes. Third thing that happened, COVID. What happened there? In the two years, you had almost ninety percent of homeowners refinance into a two and a half, three or four percent mortgage. They're not selling. That like that's that's where we're at. So You
2: touched on a big one, COVID. What happened during COVID? There was a lumber shortage. Well, yeah. material shortage. Yeah, there was a a ton of stuff going on. That didn't help. That didn't help at all. My
1: my point is, so right now in the United States, right, in January, we had like 650,000 homes for sale across the U.S., right? Sounds like a lot. We average in a healthy market close to 1.4 million homes on any given day listed. So we are 50% under what we have normally seen listed homes, yet the same amount of people are trying to buy houses. Yep. That's why the market's not going to crash. And when people say, okay, well, if the market's going to crash, you need one specific thing to happen. You need supply to increase to the point where it outstrips demand. So how do you increase supply? Number one, more houses on the market, right? So where do you get more houses on the market? You build them. Well, we can only build so many because of Oscar's point, labor shortage and supply shortage and expenses. Number two, you've got, I don't know, half the population just dies and leaves their homes, which that's not happening anytime soon. Number three, foreclosures. We talked about that. There's no foreclosures that are going to happen that are going to all of a sudden flood the market with one million homes. And number four would be this whole, oh, well, investors are buying everything and making it expensive. We've said this forever. The last 30 years, investors have bought about 22 to 25% of homes on the market any given time. That number has not changed. So unless they stop buying them, okay, then okay, now you have 25% of a million. Here, congratulations. Here's 250,000 more homes. That are on the market. That doesn't fix the problem. You could uh, also I mean, do
2: the, the, the the rental market's going down. Well, I was going to say mean, you could also you have that about too. This, less the, demand.
0: The conversions, right? From from uh, you can't though. But you can't commercial. I'm just
2: saying. Yeah, that, that's another. I option, mean, there's right? not but enough to offset no, it, right? No, but that's no, something no. that's going to and that's that's maybe a good point. So we didn't.
1: I don't, we I, we kind of talked about the cost of converting yeah. commercial buildings to rentals, right? Mm-hmm. But the reason it's so hard is because if I build an office building. Versus building a residential apartment complex, condominium, whatever you want to call it. The building codes and standards for certification of occupancy mm-hmm. are so different. Because when I build an office building, I've got AC units that are running through 40, 50, 60, 70 offices, right? With like maybe three or four control units. To convert that to, to multifamily, every unit has to have its own AC and has to have its own control. Then you go to plumbing. You go to an office building. Not every cubicle has a toilet. Well, if I'm going to convert those to single family, or I'm sorry, multifamily, but single units, every single one of those has to have their own yes. plumbing. Yes. Third thing that people don't talk about, windows, yep. right? Unless I want to build a prison, like if I have an office building- You can't have a bedroom without a
2: window. Exactly.
1: If I have an office building, I don't necessarily need an escape route because everything's a, comm- a communal area. If I convert that to multifamily, just based on fire code and safety codes alone, I need windows that I can escape out of. I need- escape hatches or escape ladders I need all these different things so there's a lot of buildings that just based on the window size alone you could never convert yep. even if you had the money to because you would essentially have to tear down the building you're just
2: building something brand new. Oh,
0: and that's the reason why I brought it up is there can be so many options and so many ways to bring more houses on the market and they're getting
2: creative ADUs they, they I mean, are
0: but at, but at the end of the day like Jameson said we are 12 years behind right? damn, just, we're at just 12. on building right? Like Sheesh. 12 years behind and Luckily, for the first time, and and whether it's we're buying too much avocado toast, we'd rather have a dog, whatever it is, as a dink myself, dual income, no kids, right? Whatever it is, our population is slowing down Mm -hmm. because of the millennials, right? And hopefully, what we'll see is that population slows a little bit, home builders come up, boomers start to vacate some more homes and more homes become available. It will lessen, but I don't unless there is a catastrophic event that just kills the population or, or we get,
1: we like, get a Thanos snap. Yeah. like yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> A Thanos snap. Unless something happens like yeah. this is where we're at and, and, and we have to, well, there's a, that.
1: there's a simple equation on, cause when you talk, when, when we're, we're having this conversation about the housing market's going to crash. The real conversation and why people want it to crash is affordability. Right. Mm-hmm. There's three things that will affect affordability that need to change home prices, interest rates and wage growth.
2: Right. Okay? Job market.
1: That's it. So, what needs to happen, the the realistic thing is this home prices are not going to come down because we don't have enough supply. So, that is not something that we can really count on. We can hope that builders continue to ramp up, supply and labor gets a little bit more, a little bit cheaper mm -hmm. to use, right? And as they're starting to make up ground, I personally would like to see rates stay kind of where they're at because it puts a lid on home prices going bonkers before they need to. And then while those two things are happening,
2: the last thing that needs to happen is wage growth continues to grow. But even because on the builder side, makes, on what? the builder side, what's one thing they're not making anymore? What do you mean? Land. Well, right. Yes, they could yes. only build so much Correct. because we have natural forests. We have some zoning that we, Correct. we can't build on. Yes. So that they're, is, they're, that they're, is they're, a huge crust. They're, is they're is putting land, a squeeze on that too. Yes. They can't just go build willy nilly anywhere. Correct. So that's a cap on them too. Yep.
0: Well, that's where I think for Colorado, at least I'm excited to see. Um, you know, Boulder just passed the the, the zoning um, that they're, they're opening up, yeah. allowing again ten
1: years too in. late. But uh, ten, yeah, there's but, a lot of there's but, a lot
2: of land in in, in Boulder that's but under at the developed. same
1: time,
0: I think it would mm-hmm. be a great case study sure, to watch 100%. and see as it, how it goes to see. It
1: is interesting though because they do back up to Chautauqua Park and yeah. the Flatirons, so mm-hmm. they can't expand west yes. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will no, like see great. You should see you should see property values yes. decline in Boulder a little bit, mm-hmm. which for current homeowners again, not great. But for anybody that wants to, you know, is graduating from CU and on site like, actually. Northwest, they you gonna do anything.
2: Right. You have you have Chautauqua um, park, you have Estes Park, but you go east of there, yep. there's a ton of just Correct. green yes. pastures. Right, right, right there's along the diagonal
0: highway. Right yeah, there. There.
2: there's nothing it's out perfect. there. Yeah. Perfect. Which but they're all owned also. Yeah. There's well, people that don't want to sell. Guys.
0: I think we covered a good amount of myths and we mm-hmm. broke down a cu- couple of myths. And for everybody watching on TikTok, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been our first live. We're going to try and perfect it a little bit better for you guys, but stick around. If you have any questions related to real estate, housing, bourbon, stick around with us. We're going to we're gonna, gonna kind of finish this up. And for the new viewers um, and listeners, as always, at the end of our episodes, once we're done with our, um, Top- our real estate topics and talk, we, of course, as we've been drinking the bourbon, we've been formulating some ideas on it. And so we always like to do our bourbon review and we give it a rock rating. And our rock rating goes on a scale from one to 10 rocks. One being the best, 10 being the worst because with bourbon and whiskey, the more ice cubes, the more water you want to put into it, usually the worse mm-hmm. the, the bourbon whiskey or whiskey is. So on that note, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and, and review this this. Buzzards Roost. That's been around from since 2019. And they, are we
1: just are we bypassing the One Rock takeaway? Oh, jeez. The One <laughs> Rock takeaway from today's Jesus. episode. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, so I was like, wait a second. We're missing the the summary of it, right? All
0: right. Um, now, on that note, we do normally our One Rock takeaway, which is a summary of our thoughts. Yes. Um, on on today's episode, and I apologize. The hard hitting opinions. So. Uh, i was excited to I was excited to review this one, um, but. Our One Rock Takeaways is a summary of the topics that we talked about today. And uh, usually we try and keep it short and sweet. But you guys, obviously, as you've seen with our live and the recordings, we, 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 we struggle with we that. Tend to talk. We tend We get a little bit passionate. Um, but who wants to start with the One Rock Takeaway for today's episode? I'll go. go. Uh,
1: I, my One Rock Takeaway is the importance of due diligence in utilizing resources around you and being able to uh, analyze those resources as to which ones are actually going to give you good information and which ones are not. This live, case in point, you guys could be watching us, going, these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about, or hey, maybe they do, but they're on the internet. Charlie mentioned it earlier, instant gratification, right? Like I can get information from anybody at any point, any time. Fact check us. Cross-reference. Do your due diligence because... Everything we talk about in real estate, whether it's investing, whether it's you're buying your first home, your fifth home, you're selling your home because you have to move, you're looking at doing something like house hacking, whatever it is, it is inevitably going to be one of the biggest financial decisions you'll make. So you want to make sure you make that decision with the best information, utilizing the best resources that you possibly can.
2: I'm going to piggyback on that on the other side. You're going to have every family member, friend, and other give their professional opinion. No, fact check them. Mm -hmm. Fact check them and then go to a professional. I mean, if I have legal questions, I'm not going to go ask the chef. I'm going to go talk to an attorney. So whatever your mom, dad, respect them, you know, take in their knowledge and then fact check them. Mm -hmm. Because half the time, there's new products, new something on the market that's going to benefit you at the utmost. So fact check them. Obviously call us, but fact check them.
1: Nope. My nope. other rock is, I hate this vertical.
2: <laughs> I really do. It has, it has bugged me so much.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man.
2: Um, <laughs> the vertical on the computer that he's looking at for yeah, the people that, that don't, aren't watching. I just don't like it.
0: I,
1: <laughs> nope, don't like uh, it. So I have a strong opinion. <laughs> my,
0: my one rock takeaway for today's episode is that in, in every element and everything you know, that, that you learn about, that, that, that you look at, there are going to be myths. There are going to be opinions. So at the end of the day, just take the time to reach out, you know, whether it's, whether it's a real estate agent, um, if you think you don't need one, don't forget that like talking to a real estate agent, talking to a lender, shouldn't cost you anything. And if you they're can,
2: charging you, probably shouldn't. Yeah, if they're charging you, kick them to the curb, because mm-hmm. that,
0: that is not a good realtor. We are in a service-based industry, and we are here for you first and foremost, as, as Jamison said, on the, one of the largest purchases you're ever gonna make mm-hmm. in your life. So whether it's on a live on TikTok, whether it's on reaching out to phone numbers that you get from Zillow, Redfin, or typing in real estate agent on Google, ask your questions because to be armed with the best information and the most up-to-date information is the only way that you're gonna capitalize on today's market. Whether you're using a VA loan two times, an FHA loan two times, whether you you don't think that you need representation at a new new construction place, information and knowledge is always gonna be key. Mm-hmm. So reach out, ask the questions. Because um, at the end of the day, it's only going to make it better for you.
2: Hey, people know you at the new construction site, right? Mm-hmm. They already couldn't come in. They send you mm-hmm. what is going to benefit your clients, mm-hmm. not the general public. Yep. They're going to send you, hey, bring yep. them in. We're yeah, doing these they, kind the of incentives. They, they want to sell shit. Yeah, yep. so they're they're sending the incentives to you. And also, here is
1: the other thing, guys. Like when it comes to the the sales reps at mm-hmm. the new construction, like they're taught not to they don't welcome us with open arms. Yeah. However, I know for a fact by talking to them, we make their lives easier mm-hmm. because instead of them having a call every Tuesday with all these different updates, they just call us. The people that we piss off are the actual builder, the superintendents, the construction workers, <laughs> <Yes>. the contractors, <laughs> because that's what we do, yep. right? But yep. if we, if you have a good relationship, and I've seen this happen multiple times where like somebody will come in as a client deal directly with the salesperson, and if they don't have representation, if that client does have a concern, it gets brushed aside. If that client has their agent call and go, hey, you and I have a relationship. We need to fix this. They don't want and to screw And we that understand up. the contract. They don't want to screw that up because they know that I have clout. And if I have clients that are looking at new construction, I may just not show them that because I know how poor of an experience it's been in the previous uh, uh, contracts and transactions. That holds weight.
2: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, 100%. So um, I do not have the best relationship with one builder, but I'll tell you what, D.R. Horton and Lenar mm-hmm. have three great reps yep. there. Awesome reps, yeah. awesome That's reps. That's who
0: you know. Yep, it's, it's always who you know, yep. not what you know, unfortunately. Um, all right, on that note, like I said earlier, um, we always, always, always finish out the episode with our bourbon review, and just to recap again, we do it on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst, because the more rocks that you put into, uh, or ice that you put into a bourbon or whiskey, usually the worst it is because you want to water it down. Um, and I'm, uh, this one, Buzzard's Roost, sipping whiskeys, cigar rye, from starting in 2019. Um, this is the first one that we've done that has emphasized any kind of a cigar mm-hmm. um, flavoring to it. And I, I'll tell you what, this one opened up pretty pretty
1: wild.
2: Yes, it did. Pretty, pretty, the pretty the flavor's great. Um, it, I still uh,
1: think we need like a separate category For 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 experimental bourbons. And rice. Yeah. Yeah, and rice. But Uh, like experimental bourbon, like things that are just off the beaten path.
2: Can can I give my obscured flavor profile? Yeah. Yeah. Pickles. Pickles? Really? I got pickles out of this one. Like the after Hmm. taste that lingers, it kind of reminds me of a a pickle.
1: Man, anytime somebody says pickle, I'm just, uh, you've been there. I know you've been there you probably have it. Red Square downtown. Oh yeah. Like I don't know if it's a good memory or a bad memory. Like it's like PTSD but I can't decide if it's Pickle like backs. happy PTSD. But <laughs> well, they have well, the,
2: the retro room and red But Square. they have they have they Pickle give shots.
1: you like infused vodka it's a Russian. My god, there the there's a giant red star on the front of this place. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice Russian diner in the beginning Right, and, in, and it Rider turns Square. into this bar at Red Square. Yeah. It turns into this bar, and they have these the best infused vodkas that I've ever had. But they they serve every carafe of vodka just with shot glasses and a plate of pickles to, as a chaser. Yeah, picklebacks. And I, I have I guys. have lost more years off of my life at that place. Mm-hmm. Shot shot of whiskey and a, and a pickleback.
2: It's a cool yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. it's, a great, it's, it's right. a great place. It's a great place. So, oh so pickles. I mean, right. I got yeah. I got pickles. I can I can
1: kind of taste it. It's that like tart. Uh,
2: Vinegary. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's like a vinegary well, taste. And
0: I'll be I'll be real. This one, you know, I, I know it said ninety what, ninety five percent rye?
1: Uh-huh. But doesn't taste it. It doesn't no. drink like it. No, no I it, it tastes like, like the malted barley should be way higher. Yeah. It actually tastes like it has no corn, mm-hmm. which it tastes like it should have Yes. some corn in yeah. this mix and it doesn't I think
0: it's I think it's that tobacco. Because right. even the nose, like yeah, it opens up like
2: the chocolate came through too. Yeah, for being so new, mm-hmm. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great sipper um the flavor pro- profiles stayed true from start to finish they opened up by mild they're they're a bit more mild on the burn and the drinkability got better i don't know if that's just because the palate got mm-hmm. singed by the alcohol or not but it's still really good oh um
0: wait
2: way different so oh, yeah
0: hold on, hold on. <laughs> sorry oscar but so everybody watching um, we always have JC's glass in honor of him sitting on the table here. And we use this as our kind of like control. Our, our control. I've been sipping this, but JC's glass sits here untouched the entire episode. I was gonna say that this one opened and it uh I got the tobacco. Just stick your nose in that. This is JC's cup that's been that's been open and sitting.
2: Huh?
0: That's crazy. That's that's a that's a straight cigar stick right there. Yeah. Like
2: and and it just smiled out too a yeah.
1: lot.
0: Wow. Oh yeah, that's wild.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That so, does not suck. No, not at all. I dude, if you're yeah, I have two ratings I guess for this that's thing. That's incredible. I've got I've got a cigar smoker rating and a non cigar smoker rating. <laughs> I, I would
2: love to have this with a cigar.
1: Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You absolutely. know they make the cups or yeah. the, the highballs with a cigar yeah, holder. So I'll tell you about those.
0: If anybody's thinking about getting them. Don't If you drink
1: it, if you drink your your bourbon
0: neat, phenomenal. Yeah. But if you like to have any rocks in your bourbon, no. The condensation on the glass wets so the bad shit out of your cigar. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. And I bought my uncle one cuz he's cigar aficionado, he part owns like a cigar club. I was so excited. Yeah, that and makes I sense. I sent it to him and he was like, "Yeah, Charlie, I'm sorry, I can't use it. I used it this one time and it ruined my cube and I was like, "Ah, mm. oh, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry."
2: <laughs> I'm going to give it a rating. <coughs> Do it. I like it. I like it, um, Wheelhouse. It's there. Uh, the flavor profile is not my favorite, um, but hold
0: on before you give it. What was the price? No, no,
2: you're not
1: giving no. the price. I'll, nope. I'll, no, okay. I'll
2: give it afterwards. Right, give right. give it afterwards. Um, I'm I just want to see if it changes
1: anything. I think it will.
2: I'm gonna give it a four and a half.
1: Okay. Okay. Four and a half.
0: I honestly, it's I. I'm. I'm more surprised by it. I'm more blown away by it because that it, it's so heavy as a rye, but that the sweetness from the tobacco or, or mm-hmm. the, and, and the barrel, it doesn't drink like a rye, which makes it better for me. Which uh,
2: also,
1: to be fair, I got another
2: flavor fair. profile. Just hit me. To be fair. Tootsie Roll.
1: Yeah. The chocolate. 100% yeah. comes through. The tootsie mm. Roll. All right. <laughs> the not tootsie get crazy. Roll. Uh, which it is, is good. It is market as a sipping whiskey, which yeah. normally ryes are not sipping whiskeys. Mm-hmm. So that does make sense.
0: Um, I'm gonna go ahead. I, I I think I'm there with the Oscar. Um, I'm I'm probably gonna go a little bit closer to a four, probably about a four point two on this guy. Um, only because again, I like the sweeter palate. I I do think as a sipping whiskey, you sit down with with a group of friends at this. You do have a cigar with it. I think it lends itself across the board to a great experience whether you're drinking it neat whether you have a cigar you don't you're sitting by yourself at the end of the day so i I think i'm gonna sit right right at about 4.2 4.3 on this guy
1: i think this whiskey is what something like a basil hayden's toasted Mm -hmm. should actually taste like yeah like i get
2: what like you know, you're giving Basil hating a lot No, of I'm
1: just I'm saying like even Elijah Craig, right? Like Elijah Craig toasted is good. It's one yeah. of my favorite whiskeys. The cigar smoked portion of this just adds a little bit. My contention is that I already like the the flavor profile mm-hmm. of Elijah Craig. Mm-hmm. I love it toasted. Me if too. it added this One of this, my favorites as well. If it added this unique twist to yeah. an Elijah Craig toasted barrel, it would become that much better. You know, I guess uh, is what uh, I'm saying.
0: You know what I'd love to do with this?
1: is uh, you see how... I don't ferment know, it? Or not ferment no, uh, it? Aerate it. Aerate it? Well, I
0: don't know. I make it too sweet if we aerate it too Maybe. much for me. But you still got to
1: bring that in. Yes. Yeah. Um, but It's like this big. Stop the.
0: I don't know if you've seen it. A way to flavor a cigar is you take a shot glass and you put it in a mason jar. Oh, and then yeah. you take your cigar yeah. and cap yeah. it and let yeah. it sit. I would love to do that with a with a light wrap mm-hmm. with this guy. Because I feel like it would add such a sweetness and a depth to the flavor. And then, then drink the bourbon with that cigar. I think that'd be awesome. You
1: right. where, where are you sitting? Well, let me do this first. Okay. Give me an estimate on cost. Sixty bucks. Six.
2: Bob, one dollar.
0: <laughs> uh, forty-seven.
1: Sixty-nine. Okay. okay. Does that change anything? It's right there. I think yeah.
0: price point
2: that's good. Yeah. That, for for I, I, what it is, it's a good that's a good price. Yeah.
0: especially especially what they're trying to do with it. Okay. And you know, versus the other ones that we've had to do with the with the oak in the barrel, the steel drums, like all, all that, that different shtick stuff. I think this one, especially like I said, touting itself as a rye, but having the sweetness and drinkability that it does. I yeah, I'll still stick it the same.
1: Considering these guys started in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. I'm excited to if I remember on this podcast in like three years, to try it again. Because they can only, I mean realistically, you gotta think the max this thing's aged, is three years. They say they age it for 18 months minimum. Yep. Might get know better. A, which is why, it's not Kentucky bourbon, mm-hmm. it's not three years, or not two years rather, right? So I think it, a three to four year age would do this thing a wonder. I'm also yeah. curious as to why they did the number one char Versus a number three or a number four smoke. I was gonna say, I'm you know, smoke. yeah, they, it yeah. might have overpowered it. So yeah. I yeah. think then they need to make a choice, right? Let's go easy on the chart, but go heavier on the cigar tobacco,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe age that with the cigar tobacco another year. Yeah, and then see if it brings out a little bit more of those that flavor profile that they're going for. Because as I'm sipping this, the the tobacco flavor, the the, the cigar smoke flavor, aside from JC's, because we haven't really sipped that one, yeah. just aerated uh went away Mm -hmm. and it got replaced with a lot more sweetness yeah i agree yeah which it's in my flavor profile i like it um but i i wish the cigar flavor would have lasted longer
2: so i'm gonna go i wish i wish it was more of a fresh tobacco leaf yes over tobacco ashtray
1: yes agreed so i'm gonna go four and a half Two and a half. All right. Yeah, I, I like I it. Like I do. I like. It I just. Too. I keep. I'm. I, I. keep going back to Elijah Craig Toasted Barrel, mm-hmm. and like what it could be if they use this process with that. Yep. And if those two were combined, I'd probably be closer to like for a, two a unique and a half. flavor
2: profile. You know? I give them an A plus. Yes. yes. It was. It was Agreed. definitely yeah. there. It was definitely <coughs> what they were going after. Mm-hmm. I give them kudos for that. 100. percent Well, and that's yeah.
1: what I. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, we need a separate category. Yeah. Of these like experimental bourbons, because if you put this up against some of the stuff that we've seen in sherry casks and copper barrels, or even and some blah, blah. traditional stuff like yeah,
2: prohibition, just yeah. right. Yeah, I just wish it's the, a different category.
1: I wish that cigar flavor profile had lasted longer. <laughs> yes,
2: I, for sure. But I, but I would sip sure. this whiskey for sure well, because we had the the the, the rum cast, right, yes, and we yes. keep going. <laughs> use that as a as <laughs> a base point. We yep. we hated it. Yep. This. Was unique, but it was, it was, it was was great. It was a good unique. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And you can definitely taste the, like at the beginning, that first sip, straight tobacco. Oh yeah. Straight tobacco. In your face. Definitely dies as it, as it goes. And which is interesting as a sipping whiskey, but at the same time. Great experience all yep. around. Uh, well, guys, I, I think our, our first live experience went well. Yep. I enjoyed it. If you uh, if you tuned in, if you're watching us live on TikTok, thank you guys so much. Stick around if you have any questions. Uh, once we end our filming of the main podcast, we're going to stay on here a little bit, see if we can answer some questions for you guys. But uh, on that note, guys, remember you can catch us every week on YouTube. Uh, we drop our videos anytime between Monday and Friday. You can find us the audio anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, um, Amazon Amazon sounds music, whatever it is. Um, we're on all those platforms. So <laughs> look, us, look us
1: up. Um, it sounds like a setting uh, on like one of those alarm clocks. Like, uh, do I want rainforest? <laughs> no, you know what? Fuck it. Give me Amazon sounds. Yeah,
0: Amazon <laughs> sounds, and it's just that. It's, it's just
2: in the middle of the Amazon jungle. <laughs> it's it's going to be Bezos <laughs> talking <laughs> shit. That's what it's going to be.
0: Oh man. um But as always, guys, remember you can always find us on our own personal social medias. Yep. Um, you can find me at that lifting agent on Instagram, TikTok, and. As always, I do the video production for the podcast, for the YouTube channel. You can reach out to me at BTG Productions uh, CO or send me an email, BTD Productions LLC. And Oscar, where can they find you?
2: OscarTheRealtor.com, OscarTheRealtorCO on uh, Instagram.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: GMO.
2: The Colorado Real Estate Guy. I like it.
1: That's I it. Like
0: it. Yep. And guys, uh, we don't just do this podcast on, on the channel either. We do community spotlights. We actually just dropped a new. Parker. Uh, downtown parker colorado and if you don't live in colorado but you've always thought of hey what does a million dollar listing in colorado look like we do a short little home tour um out in uh vivant uh parker new new home build tour so check that out um leave us a comment where you want us to go and as always guys let us know if you want us to drink any different bourbons Mm -hmm. um what where you want us to try out or topics that you want us to talk about thank you so much for the support on on youtube on tiktok we're almost at that, that 900, 1,000 follower yep. mark on TikTok. We're close. So We're close. help us get there, guys. Um, and as always, you can reach out to us as a team with any questions that you have at all times. Our email is R-E-S-O-T-R at com, or give us a call, ring,
1: text, whatever you want to do. Yep, three zero three five seven eight zero two six three. 263 Look forward to talking
0: to you guys. Fun time today, guys, as yep. always. Cheers. Cheers. We'll uh, catch you on the next one. Come by. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.